0: As you know, we just finished up with our year of defending the faith, uh, giving an answer to the world of those who will give a listening ear of why we believe what we believe, defending that, presenting that, uh, and preaching through Second Peter this summer, and then finishing uh, that theme with the book of Jude. And so we turn to the shortest book, one of the shortest books in Scripture, but one of the most powerful um, in a concentrated way uh, as there is in Scripture. Almost to the end of your New Testament, in fact, right before the book of Revelation, is the book of Jude. If you make your way there this evening, part one, and Lord willing, this coming Sunday morning, the 20th, will be part two, I tried to um, bring this all in one uh, message, but the uh, the deeper uh, I got, the um, uh, it's kind of like a, a cow chewing cud. It just keeps growing and growing and growing uh, until uh, you got to do something about it. And so, uh, uh, for me, I just divided it, and Lord willing, we'll finish this upcoming Sunday morning. It's I'm uh, almost identical in theme to 2 Peter in that. Jude alerted believers to be on guard against theological heresy. That, that is the overall view uh, and uh, overarching view of uh, the book of Jude. It's about spiritual warfare. It's a call to arms. And if you'll notice in verse 3 that we should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. That's the very word apologia, apologetics, to give an answer, to give a reason for why you believe what you do believe. And folks, the truth is going to be attacked. And we are called to respond to that attack. And I want to offer in the overview of the book of Jude, three particular ways, very practical, hands-on. You can leave here this evening, right from the very beginning of the message, with some uh, some practical uh, 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 calories, if you will, uh, to, to feed your soul about how you should respond, how I should respond, when the truth is attacked. First of all, one needs to identify error. I need to identify it. I need to know the truth so well that it will be easy to identify error when it comes my way. I ought not have to be wondering. I ought not be tossed to and throw, throw and, and, and cast about with every wind of doctrine. I ought to be that settled. Now, of course, for me, 45 years, been through seminary, pastored for uh, most of that time, that's a given. Of course that would be the case for me. It should be the case. But um, with God as my witness, even before I went to the ministry, before I ever had my first seminary course, I was already pretty grounded in, very grounded in basic theology, as every believer is called to be. We're all to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen? And so that is the first point. I need to be able to identify it. Then I need to be able to state not just what I don't believe, but what I do believe. I need to be able to make a case. That's the command in verse 3. Make a case. Be ready always to make a case for what is biblical orthodoxy. And then, no matter what happens, you got to live out those biblical convictions. You must be willing. So I shared this morning uh, about uh, the differences in the body, and the, and we're not all the same, and, and, uh, and we've got all kinds of ages and, and different colors of, uh, of skin, uh, pigmentation and all, but there are only two genders, always have been, always will be. Now, that is part of And not saying that in a hostile way, just simply saying that is biblical theology. We see the error in our day, basically inventing people to be anything that they dream that they want to be, inventing families to be anything, inventing marriage to be anything that you want it to be. So you must identify the error. You must be able to articulate the truth and then have to take a stand speaking the truth in love. That is how one should face um, all kinds of crazy ideas that are going on in this life. Well, what is it that we will encounter in the course of this lifetime? Three, three primary um, uh, areas that the book of Jude addresses, and the book of Jude helps us deal with these. There will be apostate teachers. In fact, Peter said in 2 Peter, they're going to come Jude is saying they're here, and it was only two or three years difference in time frame. So apostate, those who are heretics and... There's going to be aberrant theology, not just from the heretics, but maybe even within those who are part of Bible-believing churches. Uh, there's going to be harebrained ideas uh, and concepts that cannot be supported scripturally. And then, of course, abundant temptations. That's, we're going to face that all the time. The book of Jude helps equip us to be able to battle these issues in life. The overview. Now, the author. Tradition says... Um, that the writer of this epistle was Jude or Judas. In fact, the very first word uh, in the English translation is Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. He was both the half-brother of Jesus, Matthew 13, tells us, as well as the brother of James, who was the pastor at the church at Jerusalem, according to Acts 15, 13. Now, you'll remember in John 7, 5 that the half-siblings of Jesus, did not believe in him, did not actually have saving faith until after the resurrection. And that would have been the case uh, with Jude as well. So he came, uh, 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 maybe he wasn't all that old, I doubt that he was a child uh, at the time, probably maybe a teenager, maybe a young adult, came into conversion at that point following the resurrection. Jude was part of the praying group that awaited the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1. And he, uh, well known in the early church, uh, 1 Corinthians 9-5. And so uh, the writer then identifies himself. Notice how he identifies himself in such a humble way. He didn't mention all of these credentials. He simply said, I'm a servant of Christ. He didn't say he was the half-brother, but uh, he wanted, he preferred it to be the spiritual, not the physical relationship. Only here uh, in the New Testament does a writer identify himself with family connections. Now, why would that be? Well, uh, if you'll think about it, think about the timeline, and I'll give it to you in a little bit. But suffice it to say, James was already dead. Peter was already dead. Paul was already dead. We don't really know what was going on with the Apostle John. Certainly, he was still faithfully serving the Lord, but he wasn't going to write again for another 20 years plus and so, it very well could be argued and, and, uh, and said that uh, of all the people closest to Jesus during the earthly ministry of Christ, Jude was the one that really was remaining, and John, but we don't know what was going on with John. So, Jude was the one in the forefront. He was leading the church, as it were, and of course, he had the writings of Paul, uh, uh, Paul and he had the writings of Peter, and so he very much uh, was the one who was introduced as the brother of James so as to possibly, if it was needed, give clout, to give a a sense of authority, uh, because after all, everybody knew James. He was the, uh, the pastor of the mother church in Jerusalem. Everyone knew Peter. Everyone knew Paul. Jude, by the Spirit of God, was establishing his authority to write a New Testament letter. Jude is believed to have been about the same time, a little bit after the writing of 2 Peter. I believe uh, at least a couple or three years, uh, Benjamin Chapman wrote, the fact that Jude is more definite, more definitive in his reference to the false teachers as a present reality to his readers suggests that he wrote after Peter when the problem had fully developed. Now let's follow the timeline. Peter wrote 2 Peter in about A.D. 66. Paul wrote Second Timothy uh, in about A.D. 67. Jude, I'm convinced, likely wrote in A.D. 68 or 69, certainly not as late as A.D. 70, uh, because there's no indication in here that the fall of Jerusalem had taken place yet. Now, why does that matter? Because what is the king of interpretation? Context is. And so the more context we can know The more we can know what was going on, the better uh, likelihood uh, our understanding will be. It's believed that Peter was in Rome during his last few years. He wrote 1 Peter about A.D. 65, and 1 Peter, the theme is persecution from without— he was in Rome. He saw what was going on. See, Rome had burned in 64 AD, and Nero uh, was the emperor, and he was stirring up all kinds of hate against Christians, that sect. And so Peter knew that persecution from without was coming. That's First that's Peter. And then later, Peter wrote, just a year or two later, not only is it coming from without, but there is going to be heresy coming up from within. Also, uh, Silas had been Paul's traveling companion throughout, uh, the, the uh, really, the book of Acts until Paul was imprisoned in Rome and Silas joined Peter, 1 Peter 5.12 tells us. And so the focus, then, on bearing up under suffering is consistent with the persecution that believers were going to face with Nero. <clears throat> 1 Peter then written, uh, because of the fire of persecution that had been ignited 2nd Peter followed 2nd Timothy and now Jude and so again uh, just to demonstrate the flow of the uh, of the church in that first century uh, Peter in 1st Peter and then Paul in 2nd Timothy and then Peter in 2nd Peter those guys have have been martyred or died and Jude is on the scene. That is the author, a very important author. The audience. The audience. To whom in the first century was the book written? Notice in verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Christ Jesus and called mercy unto you and peace unto you. And love be multiplied. It is talking to, and he is writing to professing believers. There's really no uh, indication of anything else, and that, uh, and that is uh, uh, not surprising because heresy is going to rise up, and had risen up all over the place. It wasn't just uh, in predominantly Jewish churches who had turned to Christ, but it was in Gentile, and not just uh, particularly in uh, the Promised Land area, but in the Mediterranean. It was all over, and it would continue to be all over, and so everyone needed that very same warning. Now let me get into the, the outline, uh, and I'm going to interpret uh, exegete and interpret throughout the message uh, up through verse seven. So don't think that we're going to look at all of this this evening. The second half will be next Sunday morning. So uh, you don't you can you can stay locked in because we're only going to be a little while longer uh, and then finishing next Sunday morning. But the outline of the book of Jude. So I'm doing it a little bit differently than I typically would, uh, and that is. Teaching, preaching through it as we look at these verses. I've just read the preamble, verses 1 and 2. And Jude identified himself and simply said that he was writing to the body of Christ. Therefore, this is a general epistle. Everyone needs warning. Uh, and notice what he does at the very get-go on the preamble, the theology. Again, he is answering uh, heretics. He is speaking against heresy in the body of Christ that rises up, the, the, uh, uh, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Notice what he does in verse 2. He intimates the Trinity. In fact, uh, it, you could say he all but states the Trinity. When he says in verse 2, he says, um, mer, uh, uh, so, I'm sorry, in verse 1, um, them who are sanctified by God the Father, that is, you've been made holy um, by the Father, He sent his Son who made you holy. And then notice also, uh, and preserved in Christ Jesus, you are kept by the Son. Uh, And and why did the Father send the Son? For God so loved the world. And so you're loved by the Father, you're kept by the Son. You say, where's the Spirit of God? Notice at the end of verse 1, and called. Do you all have the word called at the end of verse 1? Hold your hand. up. you have it called? Is that what you have? That's right. And so how are we called? The Spirit of God blows upon the hearts of uh, the unbeliever. In fact, John 3, 8 says, The Spirit blows where he will. Just like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Spirit of God blows upon the heart of a lost person and grips that person, brings that person to awareness of his sin, uh, of her sin and depravity and separation from God and judgment to come and grants repentance and faith. And so you have... Right here at the end of verse 1, a very clear uh, reference to the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so from the very first verse in Jude, he is doing what the Spirit of God has led him to do relative to this book. That is uh, attack her- heresy, uh, go after false doctrine. Do you all see that? So it's clearly establishing the plurality of the Godhead, the Godhead, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit in verse 1. Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Now, that's the preamble. That's getting started. Verses 3 and 4 is the purpose of the letter. Verse 3, beloved. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Every Bible book has a purpose. It has a purpose statement. Uh, many times the purpose is clearly stated. So I want to address two aspects of the purpose um, in these two verses. First of all, we see the why of the book answered in verse 3. Why was the book of Jude written? Well, so that he would be able to exhort believers at that day, in that day, and then, of course, following, namely us, to defend the faith, the orthodox theology of the Word of God. Now, the syntax, that is the flow of the sentence, it could be missed in our English translations, but basically, uh, in the exegesis I've done, it's this. Although I've been wanting to write to you for a long time about our common salvation... I now find that there is a compelling necessity I must write. And why did he say that? Well, again, Paul's dead, the great theologian and church planter and missionary. Peter's dead, um, the one who, uh, who led the church for the first, oh, 12 chapters or so of the book of Acts in the first uh, many years. And, and James is dead, the, uh, the pastor of the, uh, of the mother church. And he doesn't have time. He might be dead next. And now I must write unto you, because this is so pressing. And folks, I must tell you and warn you, because I might be gone tomorrow or tonight. And you need to be mindful that heretics are everywhere. Those who don't understand or do understand and want to reject biblical, uh, biblical, biblical orthodoxy. When I was in the Navy, uh, in boot camp, you've heard me... Uh, give this uh, illustration in a time or two the first day i believe the uh, the instructor the the commander company commander drill instructor said men uh, there's three things you need to know, only three things you need to know and do in in the middle i said oh good three things all i have to do that's great I'll, i can learn that see one do one teach one see it done s-e-e observe it it being done well what is it it is whatever Uncle Sam tells you that's what the it is. It might be how to make your bed, how to make your rack, how to clean your M16 rifle, how to march, whatever it is, you have to see it done. And then you do it. That is, you practice. And for 10 weeks, we were out on the grinder, uh, uh, asphalt, as big as eight football fields, not exaggerating. And you would march and march and march until you, can't, you just can't believe that you could march anymore. Now, in today's military, it's pretty, it's pretty light. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's become too PC in my, in my view, but that's, that's another message. Um, and so you did it. And then teach one. Because you might get blown up by a grenade in a couple of minutes you know what we failed to do we failed to recognize veterans day today didn't we shame on us veterans hold your hands any veterans god bless you for your service each and every one amen okay. um where was i so do one and teach one because you and that's what i'm doing that's what you did i want i've been wanting to tell you this i must tell you now the time is growing short. Nero is on the march. He is going to squash believers everywhere. And heretics are going to rise up among those who are left because they want control and they want power. You all following the, uh, the reason why this is written, the purpose statement? <clears throat> Verse 3 has significant construction. The beginning, uh, beginning at the end, the noun faith. Notice it says that the faith once delivered to the saints. So it's got a definite article. It's not faith in the sense of believing in the Lord. It's speaking of the faith, the body of revealed truth. It could say, and it would be just as legitimate, I'm writing to you now about Scripture that was once delivered, biblical truth that was once delivered to the saints. That is the context and the con- and notice, it's, it, it, it's uh, preceded by a lengthy adjective. The once for all having been delivered, faith. And so, it is the settled Word of God. That is the purpose for writing the book of Jude. Uh, that, that they would contend, they would be able to speak about and speak to heresy based upon the once for all having been delivered, faith. God gave his word to his people and it stands complete with the final writing of the final book, the book of Revelation. Nothing is to be added. Nothing is to be taken away. And that is why here at RBBC, we stand firmly against the whole idea of God spoke to me. God told me that he wants you to do this and that we ought to do that and the other thing. Oh, where is that written? Oh, well, it's not actually written there. He just spoke to me in my spirit. He appeared to me. Folks, Anyone can say anything if that is our means of understanding the will of God. Do you appreciate the danger in that? And so we believe and have always believed it's what thus saith the Lord uh, that has been uh, given to us in the Word, the written Word, is our authority. And, And Jude said, that is what I'm talking about. The once for all delivered faith. The Word of God contend for that. That is why. Now, verse four answers the question: What about the book? Oh, I didn't know I had that out there. Yeah, the once for all having been delivered. Uh, that's a long adjective, isn't it? But it uh, it is describing uh, faith, the faith, uh, namely Scripture. Verse four: The what of the book? Um, false teachers had steadily come into the church, wolves in sheep's clothing. That's what was going on. And the blasphemy of those teachers was worthy of the strongest condemnation. And I'm going to deal with that more next Sunday morning. But it is atrocious. It is simply amazing that just a generation or so past the resurrection... And just a little while after the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was under house arrest, and then he was he was martyred. Also, it wasn't long uh, since he'd been on the scene planting these churches, and yet all kinds of of evil teaching um, presented themselves in presented itself in the body of Christ. Notice in verse four, for there are certain men who are kept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. The translation of our God is not theos. That would lead us to believe God the Father and God the Son were being featured. It's the word despot, and so it very well should be and could be translated turning the grace of our despot, of our master, into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, do you see what the difference is in that translation? If you translated the first word, how many have in your translation the word um, God in verse 4? Turning the grace of our God. Do you have that? Anybody have a different translation? Turning the grace of? You see, what do you have? What do you have? God's forgiveness. Okay. Uh, I didn't didn't, uh, see that necessarily uh, in the exegesis. I can't comment on that. Uh, But the idea here is that Jude, by the Spirit of God, wanted what? He wanted what presented in verse 4? The deity of Christ. And so turning the grace of our master into that which is evil denying our Lord God, Jesus Christ. Do you all see, see that? He's presenting theology again. I'm not sure that you're with me. How many get what I'm saying? He didn't use the word master in, the, uh, in most of your English translations. Maybe all of your English translations. But it's the word for master. It's the word despot. That is, the, the ruler, uh, the dictator. And tying that description to Christ. Meaning... Jesus is the God-man. And so another point of theology uh, that uh, in their day probably was not at all hidden. They probably knew exactly the point that he was making. Uh, Our English translations are not helping us here uh, in that particular aspect. Literally, Jude was shrieking uh, by reporting that the theology of the evil teachers, our only master, the Lord Jesus Christ, is being called evil. I mean, it's just, beyond, he's beyond himself. He's beside himself uh, with rage, with indignation, uh, with burden for believers because the Master, the Lord Jesus, the God-man is being labeled as something he is not. You all follow that? And and that is an important distinction. I hope that was not too, um, didn't, we didn't wade into get into the weeds too deeply on that. Now notice also, in verse 4. Verse 3 and 4 are, it is just loaded with theology. Notice in verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares, that is, they didn't just showcase and say, hey, we're of the devil, uh, we're going to sow discord, we're going to teach false, d-. no, no, unaware, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. You see that? They were ord- before of old ordained. It's a middle passive participle. So, it's middle passive, meaning it's the same rendering in the middle voice or in the passive voice. And you have to decide. Did Middle voice would say, they ordained themselves unto this condemnation. Passive voice would say, they were ordained by someone else to this condemnation. Now, I am one, I'm going to get in trouble for this, uh, but uh, I just have to let you know, uh, I'm going to choose a side here. I don't believe God actively ordained them to judgment and damnation. That would be the passive voice. They couldn't do anything about it. God created me this way, and he created me uh, to be destroyed and to be judged. I don't find that to be necessary because men are condemned already because of sinful unbelief. Do you appreciate the distinction? So they ordained themselves. I choose the middle voice there let those who have an ear hear uh, on that. But it can, it can be, on, to be honest, to be in, intellectually honest, it is middle passive. We don't know which Jude meant. And so we address it theologically. Uh, I'm not one who holds the double predestination. I don't believe that people are predestined to heaven and everyone else is predestined to hell. I believe people are predestined to heaven, that is the elect and the lost are lo- left in their lostness. Uh, and they are going to hell because of sinful unbelief. Uh, maybe a, a small point that I wanted to uh, be, uh, do, uh, do right by the text and point that out. Thirdly, uh, the past. Outline of the book, the past, verses 5 through 7, and we're going to wind down for this evening. I will, therefore, put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, who kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. It's a reminder of the apostasy in the past. A reminder of the apostasy that uh, is in the past. Jude is saying, hey, uh, really there's nothing new under the sun. Remember back when, uh, and he's referencing things that went on in uh, the book of Genesis, in the book uh, of Exodus um, and the like. And uh, the three uh, root causes that he identifies uh, is sinful unbelief. Israel didn't believe God, meant what he said. Uh, A root of pride. The angels wanted to be part uh, and wanted to be absolutely sovereign. They left their first habitation. They followed Lucifer, one-third of the angels, right? And then moral impurity, Sodom and Gomorrah um, thought they had a better plan. Notice in verse 7, What was the reason for Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction and the cities round about it? So it wasn't just Sodom. Uh, It wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah. But notice in verse 7, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them. So it was a whole region. Uh, It was a whole geographical section which was destroyed uh, with uh, fire from heaven uh, uh, in, in judgment. And what does it say is the reason? Because they were inhospitable. They did not receive the, uh, the uh, visitors in, uh, who had come to the gate, is that what it says? Why were the cities destroyed? What was it? Ruby, what did you say? Yeah, they gave themselves over to unnatural immoral uh, immorality. And folks, you will hear People and you'll hear people who say I am a follower of Christ and I go to a church and we are accepting a, of any type of lifestyle uh, in, in, in the realm of intimacy um, because the issue with styling them more was God judged them because they weren't hospitable, they weren't kind, they weren't friendly, they didn't receive strangers and visitors. That is not what Jude says. Jude could have used that if that was the reasoning that God had for their destruction. But folks, you're just, uh, people are just dreaming, they're making this up when they say that the reason is for uh, inhospitality when it says in verse 7, look, Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities around, they gave themselves to this, going after strange flesh And they're the poster child. They're the example of suffering vengeance of eternal fire. It's eternal judgment. It's not just that the city was destroyed. It's that those, presumably all, because all had apparently embraced that, will be judged eternally. They were hell-bound. Folks, this is a serious message. Remember what I said. You have to identify error. Speak the truth, and then you must stand on biblical convictions. And we're living in a day in 21st century America where this message will not be preached. Do you all rec- did you all hear that the United Methodist denomination uh, has completely split now? They voted, um, and uh, I've got uh, dear loved ones uh, whose church just voted to lead the United Methodist denomination. And they're forming a brand new denomination called Global Methodist Church, who are Bible believers, and who say, okay, uh, this uh, you've crossed the line when uh, you are affirming uh, the uh, ordination of um, lesbian women, when you are affirming uh, the same-gender marriage. That, uh, that, is, uh, uh, that is a bridge too far. You've gone too far in doing that. We are separated from you, and it is about time, by the way, And I applaud that. Uh, Kathy and I uh, just sent an offering to one of these such churches uh, so that they can financially um, uh, deal with all of the ramifications uh, that are coming. But they're saying we're standing on the word. We're not going to cover. We've identified error. We've articulated the truth. And we're standing in our convictions. That is what Jude is telling us. And so, folks, the same is the case for us. Either we will or we won't stand on our convictions very quickly i'll just give you the rest of the outline but we're not going to speak to it until next sunday morning first of all or next uh, uh, i should say number four is what was going on in oh i had the, i didn't know i had those one of these days i'm going to have to follow my own outline three causes uh, of of these of these sins hard-hearted unbelief israel root of pride the angels and moral impurity. We see that articulated very, stated very clearly in verse um, verses 5 through 7. They left the land of Egypt, but they were destroyed because they didn't believe. So there's your hard-hearted unbelief. Verse, two, uh, verse uh, 6 is point number two. Angels left their first estate, their own habitation. That is, they followed after Lucifer, Uh, isaiah chapter 14 uh yeah isaiah chapter 14 and then uh, the third is moral impurity there in verse seven okay verses eight through 18 is what was going on in the present a warning against apostasy and again we're not going to get into we're not even going to read it this evening uh, but it deals with the present and jude is saying what peter warned about is now here and it happened in a couple or three years peter was saying uh, there's all kinds of stirring going on and just like there were heretics with the prophets so too will there be heretics in our day and literally no sooner than peter died and took his last breath uh, they were present and maybe that's what they were doing maybe the heretics in that day were saying look james is dead um Peter is ready to die. Paul is going to be martyred next Tuesday afternoon. So it'll be our, our chance to launch. Do you all follow that? Y'all follow the timeline? There was some strategy going into it. And Jude said, They are here. That's verses 8 through 18. And then we see verses 19 through 23. The passion, God's prophet, God's people must have compassion mingled with, uh, with passion compassion for the lost speaking the truth there's your passion in love there's your compassion and verses 19 through 23 speak to that and then verses 24 and 25 uh, one of the great um, uh, glory uh, glory uh, uh, texts in scripture we see with the praise to the Lord okay I'm wrapping it up right now and we'll look at these verses with greater specificity uh, Sunday morning. When you are fresh and when I am fresh. And, uh, and we can dive into it and really do, do justice to it. I want, I want us to really be able to, to wrap our, uh, our, our arms around this and own it. But the objective of the book of Jude. What does it hope to accomplish? Well, it hopes to accomplish that we are in a fire we are in a difficult time persecution and heresy and uh, and all but that is not bad necessarily if you're prepared you can handle it i can handle it. i mean daniel faced a pretty difficult time shadrach meshach and abednego faced some difficulties uh, some fire as it were and and literally as it were uh, with those three uh, and so what are we to do well what will fire do It'll remo- remove, remove impurities. Fire removes impurities. That's what, uh, that's what the whole concept uh, of melting down uh, metal to skim away the impurities. You couldn't skim away, you couldn't have pure gold if you did not first cause liquefy it y'all following that uh, and uh, uh, and in fact probably uh, with gold i don't know i'd have to go back uh 40 years to my chemistry textbook uh, but probably the gold the purity rises to the surface um, or or vaporizes i'm not sure what it does uh but you understand that you have to submit it to intense heat before it's going to be pure and folks isn't that been the pro- hasn't that been the problem with the american church for a long time it's been very, very easy to be a believer in America in the past half a century. It's not nearly as easy. It is becoming more to call error by its right name, to identify and speak truth, and then stand on your biblical conviction. I would argue that now is the most difficult time in my lifetime to do that. Lord bless you young people, because um, I tell you what, uh, back, uh, back in my day, uh, uh, brother, doctor, uh, in, in, when I worked in a hospital in, in 1980, uh, there, there was no discussion a, about uh, are you male, female, or other. We would have thought that's a typo. I mean, what, what is that? What does that even mean? And now it is ubiquitous. It is everywhere. Somebody on, on, called me. Uh, uh, I'm going to have an MRI, as you know. I told you, uh, congregation last week. And uh, I did a pre-admission thing. And um, the lady talking to me on the phone heard me. And I was speaking just like I am now. And she said, choice of gender? She was asking me, phone number, email address, choice of gender? And I just was taken aback. And I said, well, today I'm identifying as a man. Go ahead and put down male. That's what I said. I wanted, and I don't blame this person, this person just going through the requirements and all, Um, but that didn't happen 40 years ago. Probably didn't happen 10 years ago for that matter. So we need to understand that the fire we're in now can be a good thing if we need to be refined. That's the word I was looking for, the refiner's fire. Also, Fire emanates light. It allows me to shine in ways that maybe I wouldn't or didn't have opportunity to shine before. And it radiates heat. See, fire is not a bad thing necessarily. It's what you do with it that makes all the difference. And so, when we're in the fire, when we're under the, 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 the hot Lights, and the lights are turned on in our lives. I'm only going to be fruitful and effective if I'm prepared for that. The book of Jude is preparing us. How do you prepare? One minute is all it's going to take you to see this and write it down. When you face what's coming at you in in this world, what do you do? Stay in the Word of God. You must Stay fed. You must stay nourished all the time, not weekend, not week, not Sunday to Sunday, uh, hear me ranting and raving at you, but feeding yourself on the nourishment of Scripture. Stay in worship, prayer, and praise just as you go through your day. You are praying, you are asking the Lord uh, to guide your steps, to direct you, uh, to uh, thanking him for all that he has done. Keep your heart alive uh, with the things of God. Thirdly, stay in the work of God. That is partnering. Members one of another with people in the body of Christ, with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And we're going to encourage, we're going to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. We're going to provoke one another, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, unto love and good works. If we stay, um, stay with, the, with the, the church and all. And then stay as a witness to the world. Oh, they're not going to like it. They're going to, the world is not appreciating this message tonight from the book of Jude. I, I, I hope it's that they're rejecting The truth and not rejecting the truth because of me i don't want that i don't the battle is not with me it's not against flesh and blood it's against truth and error righteousness and unrighteousness amen so don't don't put yourself in a position that you are the cause for angst as best as you're able because you are commanded speak the truth in love so i i want to be winsome i want to share and show the burden on my soul for Someone who is lost and stands um, is, in, is in the path of eternal judgment. And so, the book of Jude addresses this. We will get into the specifics of what was actually going on. We'll get into that, Lord willing, next Sunday morning. Lord, I'm thankful for this, your word, and the power that is in the written word of God. Life-changing power and the strong, the severe warning. My, this is—it's just vehement uh, with uh, warning of judgment to come of uh, uh, of those, uh, as verse eight says, filthy dreamers who defile the flesh and and all the all the rest. Even Michael, the archangel, contending with the devil and. And, uh, and we, we see that in our day, how we are contending against satanic uh, doctrines, teachings, heresy. So equip us uh, more and more toward that end. And then with our new focus of members one of another, that we truly would be those who would uh, sharpen one another and provoke stir up one another to love and good works to serve you faithfully so lord use this your word in all of our lives uh, for all uh, all of our days for each one of us for your glory lord jesus your name